this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from his sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not, he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. It really is like a spa up here. It's quite, it's this trickling water. It's very relaxing. You'll see when you come up for communion. Um, let's uh, begin by praying together. Lord God, we just want to thank you for this opportunity to meet together this morning as your people. Would you fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit so that our hearts are stirred and our understanding and relationship with you is deepened? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, you may have heard uh, it said that an opinion is something that you'd argue about and a conviction is something that you'd die for. We're continuing our series, as Simon said, on the Apostles' Creed this morning, this statement of faith and conviction that describes and declares what Christians believe. And our convictions and our beliefs inform how we live our lives, or at least they should, otherwise they're not uh, convictions at all. The 19th century evangelist D.L. Moody said, The Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And so our faith in Scripture, in who God is and what he accomplishes on earth, through us and in us and around us, isn't a secret to be kept, but a way to live. Our faith should change everything. After all, Jesus says in John's Gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if we truly believe that, if we want to choose to look to Jesus as the example of how we live our lives, what we care about, and how we should treat one another, then knowing who this Jesus that we really believe in is, is pretty crucial. 
And uh, as again, as Simon said, we'll be exploring the ministry and the actions of Jesus throughout this series. So think of this morning as sort of part one of a, of a mini-series within a series uh, on Jesus. Uh, but today I'd love us to focus on three aspects of who the person of Jesus is. So Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the answer, and Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The creed and the passage that we read today invite us to believe that Jesus is God's only son. And so what does it mean to declare as part of that creed that Jesus is the son of God? Well, firstly, I think where you come from matters. Uh, When I was a teenager, not that long ago, uh, I was part of something called the National Youth Theatre. And we were rehearsing a play that was going to be performed to the general public. Uh, And we'd we'd rehearsed a scene, and the director was going to give me some notes on this particular scene. And he said, James, um, can you do something for me? I said, yes, anything, because, you know, I wanted to be an actor. Um, So I said, yeah, of course. He said, could you you sort of just... uh, dirty up your accent a little bit. Uh, so I said, yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, of course I can. And I have to point out at this point that I grew up in a flat above a dry cleaner's next to a motorway in Tolworth. Um, so I don't know where this voice comes from, um, but it's certainly nothing to do with any kind of affluent background or privileged upbringing, I can assure you. But I said, yes, absolutely, I will do that. And he said, oh, one more thing. Uh, James, where is it that you, you come from again? And so I, I told him. And uh, he just looked at me for a second and he paused. And he said, ah, yes. That's where all the people with dreadful non-accents come from. I held my composure. Um, when I say that where you come from matters... I don't mean in the sense of the place that you grew up in or even the stereotypes that might be associated with your upbringing or your social status or your accent. Where you come from, who you are, your history has a beginning that is nothing to do with where you were born or how you sound. God thought of you first. When we look at the person of Jesus, he was more than his humble, messy, dirty beginnings in a filthy stable. Jesus was a human being, but there was something fundamentally different about him in that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was fully human and fully God at the same time. His identity is comprised of these two threads woven together seamlessly. They can't be separated because they're both integral to who Jesus was and is. And the Bible doesn't in any way whatsoever give us the option to believe that Jesus was just a nice, jolly man. There are a huge number of references uh, to Jesus as the Son of Man or Son of God. And in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke, Jesus refers to God as Father using the Aramaic word Abba, which expresses a particularly deep relationship. A deep relationship with the Eternal Father. A Father who's always been and always will be. 
And together, all of these encounters place a profound emphasis on the identity of will and purpose of the Father and Son. And we see Jesus has this unique relationship to God, his Father. And that's huge. Because what that means is, not only that Jesus is like God, but God is like Jesus. The eternal God isn't hidden from us like some distant or mysterious entity. His will is made known. His face is shown in the person of Jesus Christ. We have access to a relationship with God through the person of Jesus. There is a way to God through him. This life isn't all there is. And the creed helps provide us with this awe-inspiring lens to see that in order that we can accept Jesus' invitation to a life in all its fullness with him. The Bible tells us we're made in the image of God. And so that is our identity. Each one of us reflects something of the image of Almighty God. And so declaring Jesus' identity affirms our identity. And secondly, Jesus is the answer. Um, I came across uh, this photograph recently of an exam paper with um, a very complicated-looking maths question, or at least it is to me. Uh, I got a C in maths, so it might be easy to you. Um, it was clearly too complicated for the student as they wrote as their response, Jesus is always the answer, to which the mark had written back in what seems to be rather irritated capital letters and red ink, not on this question. I think Jesus is the answer to any question that you might have that matters to your life, your identity, your purpose, and your future. And we encounter time and time again, don't we, an an unease in our culture, a, a desperation or a longing for something more, something of true value, something that will make our lives complete. And we're bombarded every day with messages and slogans that tell us if we just tasted or played or wore or watched or ate this thing or traveled to that place or purchase this item, we'd be truly satisfied and our lives would be complete. Only they won't, or at least not for very long. They're just quick and temporary fixes to a deeper longing, a deeper aching for meaning and purpose. So the truth is, that the Bible tells us we possess the image of God. That's all of us, not just those of us that would call ourselves Christians. The rubbish in the world has kind of tarnished that image. So God sent Jesus on a history-pivoting mission to restore all that we've lost. Jesus is the answer, not in the sense that we'll become God, but that we would become godly taking on his values, his attitudes, and his character. God wants us to become more like Jesus, not in the sense that we lose our individuality, our personality, our uniqueness that he created in us, 
but that our character would be transformed and our eyes would be opened to the reality of the joy of a relationship with him. The joy of discovering our purpose and our place in this world and the utter joy of knowing where we've come from and where our identity is found in order that we might make a difference in the world and speak up and step out for those who don't have a voice and in order that we can be better stewards of the world that we've been given, which is seeing crisis upon crisis on a humanitarian and environmental scale to which we've never seen before. Jesus' promise of abundant life isn't perfect health. It's not even a comfortable lifestyle. It's not dreams always realized and instant answers to prayer. We can't expect heaven on earth, but we can expect God to be building and strengthening our character each day and every day for all that he's prepared for us in this life and the life that comes after. His promise is the Holy Spirit left for us all, working in our lives to shape us to be the person we were always meant to be. If we choose to say yes. And so finally, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Three years ago, a BBC radio survey found that most UK adults believe in miracles, although they're not entirely convinced about the ones that Jesus himself accomplished. Three in five people believe that miracles are possible. And nearly three quarters of those were aged 16 to 24. 43% of adults say they prayed for a miracle. Although, interestingly, only 37% of Christians did. Um, I wonder if we need to up our game a little bit. It seems spirituality remains high on people's agendas. But the survey also found that 46%, so nearly half of people surveyed, didn't believe that Jesus performed miracles in any form whatsoever. And now miracles, of course, are not the only metric by which we measure authenticity of faith. But it gives us a fascinating insight to the spiritual health of our nation. And most of the recent surveys conducted too suggest that people are praying more than they ever have. Last year, for example, a tear fund survey found that one in 20 adults started praying despite never having prayed before. And the last two years have tested our individual and national patience and resolve. And there are still so many concerning indications around our mental as well as physical health as a result of the disruption we've all experienced in our lives. But the truth is that Jesus didn't leave us empty promises. He left an empty tomb. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. It's who he is. It's his character. It's his identity. It's his nature. His death 
and resurrection didn't leave us high and dry. They won the ultimate victory over sin and death. And by his Holy Spirit, he promises to always be with us through every high and low of our lives. Jesus came to earth because we can't save ourselves from sin and the consequences of all the bad choices that we make. Only Jesus can do that. He didn't come to earth to help us save ourselves, but to be our saviour from sin. And, uh, you know, it might surprise you uh, to know this, uh, but I am not perfect. Uh, I know, it's surprising. Um, Far from it. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to remind me that there's more to life than that which I see. I need to declare the Apostles' Creed because it reminds me who I am, that my background, that my mistakes, that my accent or lack thereof aren't important, but becoming more like him is. So I choose to follow Jesus. And we can choose to acknowledge that this morning, to choose each day to be more like Jesus, to hand control over to him, knowing that as the Son of Almighty God, he is and always will be the answer, the one who remains with us and is present in the lives of everyone who chooses to follow him and declare their faith in him. He is Emmanuel. God with us, right here, right now, and for always. Amen.